0: Welcome to the Neurodiverse Love Podcast. We are really excited to see the numbers of folks listening to the podcast going up and the number of folks following us on Instagram. As we've said in the past, we are building a website and that should be up after the first of the year. So I'm Mona, and just a reminder, I was in a 32-year relationship with my ex. We were married for 30 years. We've been divorced almost three years now. And Olga.
1: And I'm Olga, and I have been in relationships with, now I'm realizing, with more people (laughs) that were (laughs) possibly on the spectrum or had some traits that I could, you know, kind of say that are on the spectrum.
0: Absolutely. We we said in the last podcast that uh, Olga and I probably have a type, and that's <laughs> Aspies yeah. or autistic men. So we're going to talk today a little bit about uh, emotions and the challenges sometimes that we've experienced in our relationships with the men that we've been with. And I'm going to start off today talking about how our brains are wired so differently, and after 32 years with my ex, one of the things that I guess I must not have been (laughs) that aware, I think he may have figured this out, but I didn't, Um, not only were our brains wired differently, but I see everything through an emotional lens, I see everything through an emotional lens. And I've said in the past that I'm a highly sensitive person, but I'm also an extrovert. And so I prefer to talk things through. I prefer to share with the people I care about. I prefer to problem solve with the people that are close to me. And so for most of my marriage, uh, probably all of my marriage, I was doing that. And I thought that that's just the way everybody liked to process things, right? And so sometimes I'd spend, um, it could be hours processing something, crying, uh, maybe even getting angry, um, screaming if it was an issue that was uh, involving my ex. And what I realized was that's not how my ex liked to process things. And the more I understand about the different wiring of our brains when we're in a neurodiverse relationship, the more I realized that as I continue to get more and more emotional, my ex was probably not hearing anything I was saying. (laughs) And I can laugh about it now. But It was so difficult for me because I was speaking my truth. I wanted to be heard. I valued and respected his opinion so much. But I think that uh, he was flooded over and over again, probably not realizing that I was flooding him. I think he was trying to do his best to hear what I was saying Um, but I think sometimes he just had to tune out. And what I would find is he might focus on one piece of the conversation or he would, sorry, we had a technical difficulty there. He would focus on one piece of the conversation, but it probably wasn't the most important part of the conversation for me, but it was the part that he grasped. It was the part he remembered. It was the part that probably was the most logical and rational for him. And I also remember over and over again, when I got emotional, he always went into problem-solving mode and would sometimes cut me off, would attempt to finish my sentences, and it used to drive me bonkers. And I'd say, all I want, is for you to listen. And then when I need feedback, or I need your advice, I'll let you know. But please don't finish my sentences because you don't know where I'm going. He thought he did, or maybe he was just trying to cut me off or shut me up so that he didn't have to listen anymore. I don't know. But it was so difficult that at times, it created tremendous anger inside me and resentment but now I understand. I understand that I was flooding him. I understand that he spoke rational and logical, and I spoke emotional and feelings. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's so and, hard. And, it, and it, there were two different languages. Mm-hmm. And I now adjust my communication with my ex. We mostly talk by text. Um, it's so infrequently that we talk on the phone. And even when I leave him messages on the phone, he responds back to me in text. When we were married, that drove me crazy. In fact, he would ignore my phone calls during the day. He would ignore a text. And he might not have even read them. And he'd get home from work. And I'd say, I texted you at two o'clock. And you didn't respond, and he'd say, "You did," <laughs> <laughs> and I again I could laugh now, and I'd say, "Yeah, look at your phone." And what I realized it is was he was focusing on work, and now he's in IT, and that was the rag, rational, logical side of his brain that was focused, and he needed to stay focused to do what he needed to do to get through his work day He couldn't pivot. And be involved in any kind of emotional conversation with me by text or phone, unless it was an emergency. And we actually had a plan that if there was any emergency regarding our daughter, now that I think about this, I was to text him 911. And then oh he would God. respond.
1: Well, but so. th- that was a good strategy because then, <laughs> right. then, you know, this is a real emergency. Right. It's not emotional. It's oh. like. Something, something regarding real our
0: that daughter. needs your attention <laughs> right exactly so um that that's how i wanted to start sharing that is there anything that you want to share Olga?
1: i think we well for some reason we're doing this together because we're very similar emotionally um we like to process things and we like to talk about things and um and i I changed a little bit the introduction today just because I am realizing that my ex-husband also had a lot of traits that were um, very similar to what we've been talking about, not just my um, ex-boyfriend that I initially started talking about. And I would say that a couple of other guys that I dated um, had some traits also, and it makes me realize now that I look back, uh, exactly how we were also speaking different languages, and that's why I took offense to a lot of things that my ex-husband did, and if I think about that from this perspective, of course, he will rationalize everything, he'll, you know, why are you crying? Oh, and I'll be emotional and say, well, this is what's happened to me, and do the whole you know, process and in analysis, and at the end, he's like, "Okay, so nothing happened." and He'll <laughs> go and like put my back, and like, "Okay, so nothing happened. It's fine." <laughs> or, yeah, and and I I would um react to that in a way that I would be more emotional because you disregarded my feelings, right. you dismissed me completely, right. and and there was a moment where. I always said something like I really never felt like we created an emotional connection. Mm. And I kept repeating that to him, to everyone. Oh. Like every time <laughs> I talk about my relationship with my ex-husband. We were we were in a relationship with for 20 years. Five we dated for 5 years and when I finished university, then a year later we got married and we were married for about 15 years. Um, so, when I go back to it and I think about how i I always felt like there was some kind of place in him I could not reach Interesting. He was also very smart, so mm-hmm. I uh you know we have a partner here <laughs> <laughs> very smart and very professional, very you know dedicated to his personal interest, which was that specific interest was uh, horses. Mm-hmm. and he, he could work. 24 7 on horses mm-hmm. anything he wrote he's wr- written two books uh three books but two about horses and one about uh, personal growth but the horse stuff was just so it's, it was an obsession he could read forever he could and so every time I said hey let's go to visit my friends," our friend's and you know have a barbecue or something I play the guitar and my friends will always ask me to bring the guitar if I took the guitar out of the apartment he'll say oh now you're taking the guitar now this means it doesn't mean we're gonna go meet friends and have fun it means they're not gonna let you out at the time I need to come out to come back and work
0: Interesting.
1: And that was an issue always. I was, why can't you understand that this is Saturday night? It's it's not, you're not supposed to be working. Mm -hmm. And his answer would be always, do you think I have time to waste?
0: Interesting.
1: So it's like, really? (laughs) I mean, can we grow our friends here? We just moved to this country. We don't have family here. Our family is the person that sponsored him to to come and work with horses. And also our little circle friends that were also from Colombia. So how about we grow that support system? But no, he didn't have time to waste. So I always felt like we just talked very different languages. Mm -hmm. And it just felt... It didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. It it felt like I was just the one that was always very emotional. I was always the one that needed to mature. And maybe what he meant every time he told me to mature was be more rational Mm -hmm. and not so emotional. Yeah. And so the the danger with it is that the person that's more on the emotional side, it doesn't mean that I don't rationalize things. It means that I it's more that I include everything. I mm-hmm. rationalize it, but I also consider my emotions and all the other personal stuff that I, I put into the same bag. Um, but it gets to be very hurtful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had a, an accident now that I, you know, analyze things from a different perspective. I had an accident and he went, are you okay? Yes, I'm okay. So I went, to get the tires changed on the car. And he's like, are you okay? Yes, I'm okay. Okay. What are you doing? Or I'm going to go back to work. And he's like, okay. See you when, I, when you get home. This was at 8 a.m. <laughs> I never heard from him. I mean, I could have it, it could have been a horrible accident, but really nothing happened. So in his mind, mm-hmm. she's okay. I mean, mm-hmm. she had the accident. She's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm scared, but I can't tell her I'm scared. Or that I would have died if she died or something like that. Right. She could, He could not express that. Right. But he could, that night when I came back home and I was crying, 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 crying. Because you know how it happens when you have an accident or something uh, stressful happens. Then you start thinking about it and it hits you at once. And I was crying, crying, crying. And he comes out and looks at the car and says, yeah, looks like you were reborn today. I was like yeah and I was crying I mean the not matter right whatever so nothing happened right. you're fine why are you crying <laughs> I'm like oh my god what am I doing here and I couldn't I couldn't have more of that and that's when I decided I needed to leave and right. for him it was like I don't understand it I love you every time I said hey I'm pulling out of love he would say do you want to stay with me or not. And I'll say, okay, well, I'm going to give it a chance. Let's work in it. And okay. So you're staying with me. Yes. I'm staying with you. Okay. That was the end of the conversation. Right. Then the last time we talked about it. And then after that, it's like, Oh, we'll assume that everything is just... So by the time I said, okay, I can't take this anymore. I want to, I want the divorce or I want to separate. He couldn't understand it right. because it's like, it was fixed when right. we had that very short conversation and- so-
0: I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's it's just... It's um, very interesting. It is. So it finish is, what you're going to say, it is because I think this is, you know, now we're bringing up other people <laughs> that we've been with in our lives. Um, yeah, I, I think one of the things that is so interesting is that in neurodiverse relationships, um, men or women who are neurodiverse, if they've said they've loved, they love you once, then you should know they love you. And they don't have to tell you every day. They don't even have to show you every day. But the way in which they think they're showing you by being in the marriage or being in the relationship under the same roof, you know, maybe taking your car to get gas or oil change or you know doing the dishes right he
1: was great I mean both
0: (laughs) all of them
1: all all the guys I am saying I'm seeing now that oh my god yeah that's the behavior they will do great things for me but I am more my my love language is more words and affection Mm -hmm. so if I didn't get that It I would just run out of of your tank. Yeah, your love tank is empty. Exactly. So it was twenty years of that. I would get you know two or three times. They're great at the holidays because of the script thing. You we've talked about the script, so they know that if you're if it's your birthday. Uh, now after 15 years of a relationship it changes Mm -hmm. but they're pretty good at the the critical I call them the critical dates those (laughs) those are like okay you have to remember birthday uh anniversary valentine's day christmas and and I can say that over the years he forgot many of those or just you know because of that um I have her I don't I don't need to work for to to get her right um then i he, and he was like yeah no that's fine is uh, not even i i'm sorry i forgot about christmas or i didn't get you anything i would get him something for christmas um and this is my ex-husband and he'll like oh i didn't get you anything but not even i'm sorry you know right. nothing it was like it was just like
0: it was a logical <laughs> rational response and, yes. and he probably if you had said i'm really upset that hurts me please I'll remind you of the holiday and what you're supposed to do that's part of the script Um, my ex was excellent with gifts and cards for all those holidays anniversaries birthdays because I told him how important it was to him and now I realize that in a way I gave myself a gift and I gave him a gift because those days were so important to me And we met when we were 21 and he included that in his script. That was never a problem for us. And when he wasn't emotionally available and didn't have the right words to share his feelings with me, he would oftentimes get me a card. Um, And I've saved every card that he ever gave me in 32 years. And there are some amazing ones, or he would write me a poem or he would write me a song. I mean, he's just an amazing writer. Um, However, on other days (laughs) when it wasn't a holiday and, you know, I was having emotional challenges, uh, it wasn't as easy for him. And I remember, like you, I remember saying to him, can't you, like, understand what I'm feeling? And I could see he was trying to track it in his head but and it doesn't it doesn't track that, but you can
1: you can also see it in their <laughs> eyes yes. it's like yes. what yes. are you
0: talking about like right. no, it's foreign it's yes. foreign it's a foreign language like if you were to go to another country and so I was actually talking to my uh, daughter about this who's 24 and I was saying now I understand your daddy so much better so when I need to get some information to him, I'm going to send it in a text. Even if it's an emotional topic, I'm going to send one topic at a time. Because if I send more than one, I think it it is an emotional overload. Also, I have left him messages about things on voicemail, one topic at a time. And with almost every text and every voicemail I say no response needed this is just an FYI and because we're not married anymore and we're not living under the same roof he doesn't have to respond and I'm not expecting a response when we lived under the same roof and I didn't know he was on the spectrum I expected a response I just thought that's what people do when they're in a relationship all my friends return my texts all my friends answer my calls right But this is so critical for any neurodiverse relationship. If you are expecting for your partner to totally understand your emotions and your feelings, that is going to be extremely difficult for them because of mind blindness, theory of mind issues, and that emotional reciprocity, which we've talked about before. It doesn't come Naturally, naturally to
1: them and that makes me think about something if I think about what is the difference between my ex-husband and my ex-boyfriend mm-hmm. that I think both um, are in, on the spectrum they're mothers how so? my ex-husband's mother was not very affectionate mm. and they, he was the youngest of five He w- she was very protective of him and he, he was the baby, but she was older when he was born and he was more with um, his siblings or or the maid or, you know, not very close relationship even, even though, you know, there was a loving relationship, not very close, not very affectionate. She didn't imprint him mm-hmm. with how to respond mm-hmm. socially. She was very awkward. I, and I'm thinking, you know, that, that DNA also. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So she had difficulties expressing affection. She was considered a very difficult person. Mm-hmm. Like, and not just emotional, but very, um, even if her family went to f- visit her, she almost considered that an offense. Mm-hmm. She didn't. She, Interesting. Yeah. So his relationship with that, that first, t- the first um, relationships that he had in his life are more like that. Mm-hmm. And if I compare it to what the dynamics on my ex boyfriend family um, is, and especially his mother, she is a very sweet person, mm-hmm. very um, affectionate, and I can see how they created this connection when they were when he was little, mm-hmm. and she coached him and mm-hmm. everything that had to do with the relationship <laughs> with his father trying to help him understand his father his brother his sister and friends at school and all of that like i can see her being really close to him and really connected in the imprinting of that uh emotional scripting right. initially uh and i'm just theorizing. theorized Theorizing, yeah. Theorizing. Yeah. now because I can see differences. And mm-hmm. I'm I, I think it's relevant or important to talk about it because maybe out there 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 are a lot of people and I have a lot of friends who have children on the spectrum and they have been in therapy. They have growing they have been growing in so many ways and I see the advances and and how um they have better opportunities to grow emo- with a better emotional intelligence and mm-hmm. a better a better a tool belt mm-hmm. that will have a lot of things that they can do to make better um, scripts mm-hmm. and, and know better how to relate to people that are more emotional in the rest of the world uh, out there. So it is important if you have, you know, a child that is on that spectrum to know that what you do as a mother at the beginning, it may affect the way they see or manage their own traits and in the their own difficulties and how that brain can be trained in a way to be more successful emotionally also it may not fix everything and it may you know still have some things that are gonna come out and but I can see a lot better outcomes in one person than the other if I think about how their relationships with were established at the beginning and how, uh, one of them can do more of the work mm-hmm. to improve his traits so that he can be more successful with his relationships.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a really important point. I think we as um, neurotypicals, although I, I know that I am definitely a highly sensitive person, so my brain's wired differently too, um, and definitely more emotional and sensitive. Uh, I think that we need to understand each other's worlds. And we need to understand how each brain works. However, if somebody wants to have a relationship with other people, whether it's friendships, or an intimate relationship, or co workers, mm-hmm. um, understanding how to respond to emotion is going to be critical, whether it's the neurotypical or the neurodiverse person who is getting emotional. And we're going to talk um, on the next episode about shutdowns and meltdowns. But I think the lesson for me is that when I understood that being emotional and sharing my feelings was not getting my ex to a place where we could, we could be congruent in our conversations, where we could be on the same page, that should have been a red flag for me, that I needed to think about other ways to communicate with him so that I could be heard. But I was so emotional, I couldn't do that. And what happened was, you know, anger or resentment built. This wasn't all 32 years, but, you know, it happened you know, when you have a child and, you know, our parents got sick and died and all kinds of stuff happens, you want somebody who can provide you um, emotional support. What he was able to do was he was comfortable with physical intimacy. So he would massage my back, he would massage my feet, he would, you know, do those kind of things that were really important, but I also needed the emotional piece too. But thank goodness I had a lot of friends and a lot of support when he couldn't do it. The lesson learned for me is now that I know that emotions are not his language, his first language when I talk to him logically and rationally he almost always responds so kindly and we can have great may only be text conversations but great conversations. I've learned a lot and what about you Olga? That's
1: amazing and I think um... A lesson learned for me is one knowing all of this, it's such an eye-opener and challenges me to go into relationships from now on identifying that I am neurotypical, that I need to identify certain things that in the other person may be different and that at some point may hurt me. And Establishing that communication initially and identifying what the difficulties are, what languages we're talking, not just the love language, but like life language and Mm -hmm. how we interpret everything and how emotional I am and how the other person is. So I can identify that we're really compatible from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Because what I've done repeatedly now Mm -hmm. (laughs) is i fall in love with the intelligence the Mm -hmm. cognitive intelligence Mm -hmm. and i fall in love with a lot of the other special interests and personality but i hit the same wall every time is that emotional um difference Mm -hmm. between how i handle emotions and how that other person handles emotions And if I go back and I see all the relationships that I'm now identifying that they were on the spectrum, I hit exactly the same wall. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the relationships, it's always the same feeling Mm -hmm. of I wasn't understood. Uh, I end up being kind of the bad guy. And there is not space for analyzing, for being compassionate, for, you know, feeling like I can't process things my way. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm saying that they're different and that we need to understand that so that we know how to go through everything. The beginning, the middle and the end of a relationship where we don't feel neglected or. Um, the lack of affection or not loved when actually is the opposite Mm -hmm. and they're not bad people they're great people we're just very different and I guess that that's the most loving thing I can do for them is to accept them and respect them and and let them go when I feel like we really are not compatible and it's hurting me and I'm gonna end up hurting them so it's the most loving and respectful thing that I can do for them.
0: That's great. And I love that. And and I would end by saying that we we all can learn in relationships, especially neurodiverse relationships, and focus on each other's strengths. And if those strengths can carry us through the challenging times, then we can be successful. So we're at the end of the podcast. And if you want to reach out to us, you can email us at neurodiverse love, the number four you at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at neurodiverse underscore love. We look forward to talking to you next week. Have a great week. Bye.